Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins. Today I'm joined by three friends. First, from SciShow and the editor of Dear Hank and John, we have Tuna. Hello. From Snark Squad, as well as a producer on Crash Course, we have Nicole Sweeney. Hello. And from many podcasts, let me see, we have I Love It. That's one of them. Matt and Maddie. That's another one. Uh, and oh, and one that, with Nicole that yeah. I need to bring up with Nicole, uh, Cooler Than Homework. Yeah. Uh, a new podcast. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, with Sari Riley, uh, it is Matthew Gatos. Yep, that yes. <laughs> you said so many names into a short period of time, yeah. and I was like, "What did Sari do?" <laughs> I'm just she trying something. Just trying something new out. All right. Uh, anyway. Yes, I am a man of many podcasts, <laughs> and also produce uh, videos for Complexly. Yes, as we all do here. Uh, and today we are here to talk about one of the b- most well cast. Beautifully shot, uh, nice polar bear movies <laughs> yes. that we've ever done on this podcast. Uh, but absolutely the the best polar bear movie. <laughs> yeah, on real bad. Pod. I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah. That's <laughs> next uh, week the Coca Cola commercials. <laughs> oh, are those better than this? They are. Aren't oh, they? Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, save that for your real bad. Yeah, real, real good. Yeah, real good. Real Coca Cola commercials <laughs> this Christmas. Uh, on YouTube. Um, so we're talking about the 2000. Is it eight? I think it's 2007. 2007 film, uh, The Golden Compass, starring Daniel Craig, kinda, and Nicole Kidman, <laughs> definitely, uh, and then uh, the lead actor's name, Dakota I, Blue Richards, the, is who's actually is who's the actual star of this. That movie. name has already left my brain. <laughs> no idea who she is, but she was the lead. Yes. in here for sure. And then uh, just a you know a wonderful selection of character actors uh, in this movie, from Ian McKellen, and Ian McShane to Ian uh, McShane's in this movie. Yeah, he's Ragnar. Oh, he's a bear. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> so is Ian McKellen. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but I also can, I think, excuse the fact that I didn't recognize Ian McShane yes. in this film. Sure. That's, yes. Well, uh, his hair was a little longer in this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nicole and I were talking about uh, the movie in some way, and she mentioned uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yes. Is a voice in here? I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> one of the <laughs> demons? She's Stelmaria. She's uh, Daniel Craig's. Demon. Okay. Yeah. Azrael. Lord, yeah, Lord yeah. Asriel. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to use their actor names because yeah, I, I know all the character names, but I don't know that everybody else is going to track that. The, so. the, the only name that I'm going to come up with, I'll come up with Lyra. Yeah, yeah. that's easier than the actress's mm-hmm. name. Well, and because there's a for you to remember. stupid fucking song at the end that is just Lyra. Lyra. <laughs> um, and then um, Yorick. Yeah. yeah, Yorick Berenson. Yeah, like, I like that his name is Bear. With the accent, Burn. it sounds an awful lot like <laughs> Eric Bear guy. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Eric Bearman. Yeah. Oh, and so okay, uh, 2007 film. Uh, this comes roughly four years after Return of the King uh, wrapped up. Uh, Lord of the Rings, and there was a lot going on with fantasy and uh, fantasy novelization, uh, fantasy novels being turned into movies. Uh, but we'll get into that 
at a certain point. But before we get too far, we need to do a 60-second plot dump. And the only person to do that is not going to be Nicole because she knows too much <laughs> about this. It's going to be Matt. I did the last one. I know. And I did so po- I can guarantee you this is not going to be a good podcast moment for anyone <laughs> at all. That's because it was well, not a good movie. Yeah, no. Yeah. I well, can tell you I have less information on my, in my brain about this movie than the last movie but I did. But see, that's the thing is if you just leave out all the parts of the movie that didn't end up mattering, your summary is going to be like 10 seconds. I think we already did that. <laughs> we, already did that. we already talked about all those things. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be great, Matt. Come on. Okay. Here we go. I make a lot of podcasts, Nick. I know it makes a bad podcast. <laughs> and the next 60 seconds is going to be bad podcasts. My, but the best part of every real bad podcast is the bargaining that everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alternatively, we can mutiny. You know who never has to do the fucking 60-second plot dump? Nick Jenkins. Nick Jenkins! Oh, shit. All right. Also, all right. Okay, I totally thought you were no. going to call me out, because I almost never get to do them either. No, here we go. I have to do them. I not get to do them. Turn. No, I yeah. just love the Wait, ease with which Nick accepted that mutiny. Yeah, no, let's go. Mutiny, ahoy. <laughs> I, I, look, I am not an arguer. <laughs> okay. I think we have 90-some episodes to <laughs> disprove this. Well, you might have a point. I don't know. But, uh, you want me to do this? Fine. I'll do this. All right. This is a 60-second plot dump of The Golden Compass in three, two, one. So in another dimension, there is a society where uh, that is ruled over by a, a staunchly religious-esque uh, um, ruling class called the magistrate. And you're not supposed to... Magisterium. Which you're not supposed to talk about certain things. Uh, and Daniel Craig plays sort of a rebellious adventurer, scholar sort of thing um, who challenges them and he's going to go off to the North Pole or Svalbard or somewhere um, to get evidence that there are other dimensions and that the energy coming from those dimensions gives us powers and and stuff. Everybody is followed by their own personal little animal that is called a demon and our hero is Lyra who is a young woman young girl uh, who goes to school she's an orphan and you find out that she's maybe not an orphan um, and she goes to try to help her uh, uncle Azriel, and that's pretty much it she breaks a bunch of kids out of kid prison <laughs> oh man uh-huh. Uh-huh. not one mention of Behrman <laughs> because we <laughs> talked about this Matt you brought this up I did bring this up every <sighs> single actual character moment in this movie mm-hmm. real character moment could be edited out and it would not affect the plot like yeah the, 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 like literally the story of little girl breaks her friends out of prison is the story of what actually happens in right. this movie yeah there's a lot of other stuff that happens but it doesn't yeah. affect the plot that much mm-hmm. right like the whole like what i the example i brought up to nick was uh like yorick's whole story basically who yes. is a bear like he's the bear who was supposed to be king who was a prince bear and another guy poisoned the king and then beat up this prince bear to become new king bear and apparently that was ian mcshane and <laughs> that is one of my we'll get to this but one of my favorite parts of the movie but like as that was like wrapping up and they were moving on to the next act, I realized, oh, that didn't really affect much of what's about to happen now. Like before that scene, those scenes happen, she is riding on his back through the snow <laughs> to go yep. save some kids. And then immediately after that. <laughs> after that finishes, she gets back on his back and they go to save the kids. So the thing, and- this is like a 
one of many sort of fundamental failures mm-hmm. of this attempt to to translate the thing. Obviously, like it's based on a, a book that is over 300 pages. There are a ton of plot threads mm-hmm. and, you know, choosing what to use, what not to use, whatever. Like that's a, a whole sort of thing. But to me, one of my biggest problems with this adaptation, I have so many, but uh, <laughs> is really well summed up in the way that Nick did that plot summary. The fact that you led with Asriel's journey to the north mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> is like wild. To, I mean, like I get it in the context of this movie that we just watched. Yeah. But in terms of like what this act, what the book was about, uh, <laughs> it, like Lyra breaking the kids out of kid prison is like actually the real like the real it's a <laughs> the, the the kids being abducted yeah. is a through like that's a thing that is consistent throughout the story like that is her her big mission her friend gets abducted that is like the thing that is motiv- motivating Lyra is she wants to go find her friend Roger she has to go rescue Roger and it like is a through line in fact all the way through to the end of like the very last book like doing right by Roger is one of like Lyra's prime drives and it's like nothing in this movie. <laughs> oh, right. Not only is it, it's like less than nothing somehow. Yes. Because one, I think the reason like Nick leads off with that is because the first five or so minutes let you believe that Daniel Craig is like the main character of, the, yep. of this movie. And then mm-hmm. he disappears for the entire thing. Yes. Uh, and he has a shave at one point. Yeah. <laughs> he pops in for his like second day of filming. Yeah. Uh, How much do you think he got paid for Too this? much. And there's um, that, and the weird scene with him getting abducted that was just like, mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm. Who knows what that went or yeah, why? We just it randomly pop back in to check on Mrs. Coulter and Lord Asriel. I'm like, I don't fucking care. No, show me <laughs> Lyra. So what is Lyra up to? Yeah. Like, then they don't matter. The mm. the moment, and there's a few moments like this in the film. The moment where she breaks the kids out of the prison, which does feel like it's building at least a little bit to that of like that seems super important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> happens apparently like so easily that they don't even bother showing how she does it. She like tricks uh, Nicole Kidman's character into opening this thing that has like a bug that flies out and stabs her in the face or something. Uh-huh. And we cut from that to Lyra and all the children running out of the building. No, we, she she destroys the 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 she machine. destroys the machine. And she, she causes the fire, which in the in the book she she just actually she actually just pulls some fire alarms and like that was the plan mm-hmm. all along before Mrs. Coulter showed up. She had already had plan had a plan to trip the fire alarm and that's how she was going to get all the kids outside so that the Egyptians could rescue them because she knew the Egyptians were coming uh, gotcha. and so like the fire alarms like that were the so I don't really know See, I didn't connect yeah, whatever. the destroying okay. of the machine to the freeing of the children I yes. was like okay so, so she, she destroyed this machine so nobody else can be separated from their demons no, 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 but no. then I was like and then everyone just runs out no, and no, I'm no, like no. The, the, that the, the, the destruction easy. of the machine was supposed to be like fire you know okay I need, okay. I need to control this a little bit <laughs> yeah. so so the big what, what happened is this going to be this the big over, overarching thing that's happening to these kids they're being kidnapped mm-hmm. by the the magist, magisterium magisterium yeah. to have the, their their demons which is their little animal companions their that soul. go their, their soul, soul in an animal outside uh, of their body to be to to, to be cut off mm-hmm. basically to have their mm-hmm. demons killed uh, and this will somehow help Catholicism in this world. It's not actually <laughs> it's Catholicism. Sort of, but, but it's it, like an like an original sin thing. Yeah, it, it so is. it's what they're trying to do. And mm-hmm. then Lyra's going to go rescue them from this, which in itself is a neat idea. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But before we get too far down this <laughs> rabbit hole, what I want to do is say, Tuna, Yeah. when did you read the book? I have never read the okay, book. Okay, Matt, when did you read the book? <laughs> I maybe didn't know it was a book until like mm, a few weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> I also did not read this book, but 
Luckily, Nicole, yes. this is one of, if not your favorite yeah, it's, book it's series. It's definitely, it lives, this, it's like in my feelings, in my heart, it's my favorite. I don't know if it's <laughs> like the best, but it's it's my my favorite in my feelings. I, nice. so, uh, Cosign, I can have, yeah. I have many of those things. Uh, okay, so a, a lot of this is going to be talking about, you know, we talk about this with comics a lot. Like, is it bad because it's a bad adaptation or is it just bad? Right. Um, and then you have questions about, well, why, if you're adapting it, then then why do this? Why do this? And you know a lot of the backstory on uh, mm-hmm. sort of what we could say went wrong <laughs> um, with this thing. Uh, but I want to talk just initially about responses to the movie itself apart from the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I'll go first. Um I was not expecting to have a really negative reaction when I watched this film because uh, it's a major studio. Not only is it a major studio, it's the major studio that made Lord of the Rings, who you would think would have a handle at least a little bit on how to make these things, how to make adaptations of multi-noveled um, fantasy worlds. Mm-hmm. This is also kind of a combination of science fiction fans. It's a very steampunk mm-hmm. uh, sort of thing. But regardless... Um, I found myself really frustrated and angry while watching this movie. Uh, And I watched it a few months ago and I was actually texting Nicole about it because (laughs) I was like, wow, this is way worse than I expected it to be. I so shortly before you watched it, I watched it. I like stayed away from this movie because I had heard from people who read the books like it's bad. And so I didn't watch. I watched it myself for the first time a few months ago and I watched it and I was like and I came into work the next day and I was like, Nick, I can't tell if this movie (laughs) is just like a terrible adaptation or if it's actually bad. Mm. I think it's actually bad. But so like maybe it could be on real bad. I'm not really sure. I need you to watch it and tell me. And yes, that text was so validating. (laughs) (laughs) It like uh, we'll get into the whys. Yeah, yeah. But I had a really negative reaction to this, and I think it's it's twofold. One is the actual screenplay and the the movie itself, and the other is like it has the tension between how good the talent is. For this, mm-hmm. like not just actors, but the <laughs> yeah. actors across the board mm-hmm. are yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. We didn't even mention Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's yeah, in that's, here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lee has one goddamn line. What, like, <laughs> he does right. pretty good in his one line, but though. But it's only I mean, one line. Yeah. Um, but the CG artists, like the stuff mm-hmm. with the polar bears looks for 2007. The way yeah. they visually represent the dust is also really beautiful yeah. and yeah. magical. And, and it's like, very cool when like you see somebody this is a weird out of context yep, sentence but <laughs> it's very cool when you see somebody die oh, yeah. uh, where like you see their demon immediately turn into dust and uh-huh. like fly away uh, I was questioning how quickly some of those deaths happened but that's like someone would get like punched and their their demon would go and I'm like Wow, that was a strong punch. Yep, solid. Bear yeah. punch. There's yeah. there's a lot in there that is like very high quality, like the highest quality. Mm-hmm. But then it is paired with uh, Matt and I have uh, Matt's been talking to all of us about how it's hard for him to keep this movie in his head. Yeah. Like <laughs> and I agree by the time I got to the end of it, I wasn't really sure where we started. Like I was sort of like and that's why in doing that 60 second plot dump, I chose the Daniel Craig thing because I just remember the handoff is immediately to him mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie because we have this terrible opening narration. Um, <laughs> That made us all mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this terrible or- opening narration, and the first line that is not narration is spoken by his demon. No. 
Wait. Oh, yeah. it's, yes, 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 yes. Uh, the demon who is Kristen Scott Thomas says, are we going to see the girl? And then he says something like, well, I certainly hope so or mm. something. And then, and then we're into his story and stuff. Anyway, it, it was that tension of, oh, my God, such wasted talent <laughs> and such wasted resources that that was making me angry. Mm-hmm. So, um, Tuna, <laughs> you had seen this before. This is, I think, the only film that I have watched for real bad that I also watched when it came out in theaters. Oh, okay. And that is my only previous experience with it was going to a theater. And it was like a cool old theater, like old timey from like Mm -hmm. early uh, 20th century. And like they have it all done and you have to pay like an extra 25 cents to go sit up in the balcony. And it's like got like the big curtains and all the like cool architecture. And they inserted an intermission in the middle of it because that's what they do for everything. (laughs) And it was the first movie I ever remember walking out of and going, I think that was a bad movie. (laughs) Like that's like, I was, you know, I was like right out of high school and like, it was the first time I was like, Oh, Oh, like that, that just wasn't, that wasn't something that I just didn't like. I just did not think it was well made. Like the story was not, and I didn't know, I think I knew it was a book and I think I specifically didn't read the book because I was like, man, if that's what they turned the book into, like what the F. And now I've heard since then, like, no, 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 the books are great. And I'm like, well, I should probably go read it because it sounds like extremely my shit. But that just makes me angrier because I'm like, this movie is so bad Mm -hmm. that it like kept me from becoming an atheist for an extra four years. (laughs) Ooh, the lights are flashing. Oh, no, I just made God mad. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> uh, wow. This, this podcast might smited. end soon. Right we, do have, uh, we do have a storm Storm's going in the on. Area. So, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, we might end up... Uh, it might end up uh, mid-canceled of this episode, but we'll see. I'll pull up the radar. I'll keep track of everything, guys. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Attack of the Clones was my first. Uh, okay. I walked out of Attack of the Clones and I went, wow, that was really bad. <laughs> I usually walked out of movies like just enjoying it right you know yeah. just like whatever it was you know even if mm-hmm. it was a movie that wasn't great i still enjoyed it you know but man no walked out of attack of the clones was like oh <laughs> no i think that was really bad so matt had you seen this before no i think i had seen i like it was one of those things i remember seeing the trailers for very clearly i remember hearing about it but at the time i was like a film school snob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, if Robert Rodriguez didn't make it, count me out. <laughs> um, so. Wow, that's your version of film school snob. That was my era of film school snob. Yeah, this is this is like, this would have been like the fall of sophomore year of college. So like. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I've just. I was like, living in LA. My, <laughs> my film school snobbery would have been, I don't know. Well, if Alan Ball didn't write it, he There's wrote American Beauty. a 10 year difference Beauty. between our film school eras. When did you graduate film school? I don't remember. Because no, <laughs> I graduated, film school for me was grad school. So I graduated in 08. Oh, well then, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I didn't know the era. I just know you're older than me, so I assumed that was the gap. 
you were like, if this wasn't made by, you know, <laughs> Charles Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we both went with the same old man reference point. I recycled through 15 names. Nobody's going to know who that is. Nobody's going to know who that is. Yeah, Nobody's going to know who that is. To be is. fair, I went through like the, the more common ones of like Hitchcock, Orson Welles. And let's go with Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what, anyway, what's the question? So you, had, you hadn't seen this. No, I had not seen this. I remembered the only thing I knew about this movie going into watching it was that there was a bear in armor. I remember that image from the trailer. Mm-hmm. And then also I had overheard some of Nicole's feelings about <laughs> the book. Like, And then also I knew they were making an HBO miniseries or series, whatever they're doing with it. Yeah. Uh, but I hadn't seen the trailer for that. I had not seen the trailer for this in probably 10, 12 years. So I went into it knowing very, very little other than there was a bear and probably a compass. <laughs> probably. I, you know, I mean, when I went into it, I had Nicole's feelings to go off of. But generally, beside that, I also had just like, there's a cool looking bear <laughs> and Nicole Kidman. Like, that was pretty much <laughs> all I had. So, but wh- yeah. what was your initial reaction? Like, what were you, ex- uh, did, did it live up to expectations? Well, since I didn't have any, yes. Because <laughs> uh, I think I described this to you before of I nothing to this movie when I first watched it. Like, I just, I was watching it and trying to let it hit me and sink in and just nothing was happening. Like, I just felt like, I think there's a lot of pacing issues with this film and I could feel, like, the adaptation, like, being poorly done. Like, while mm. I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, like, one of my notes says, I bet that 40 seconds was 40 pages in the book. Because <laughs> it just felt like they would like wrap everything up in these like two sentence little moments where I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what, what? And then before I could catch up, they were on to the next thing. Yeah, I would be interested to know what the average scene length in this film is because, man. It feels so short. And it's just like, we don't have time to linger. Move on to the next <laughs> right, thing. Especially yeah. that moment when, which I think drew my attention to it even more, uh, as soon as uh, Yorick beats the other bear, he like walks over to Lyra and she like pets him and it cuts immediately to like, they're off on another adventure. And I'm like, wait, oh, okay, I guess we don't have to deal with the bear stuff. <laughs> well, even right. worse, like, they do a voiceover. They do a quick voiceover of him saying, I'll run faster without armor. <laughs> <laughs> to explain because they forgot to, they're like, oh shit, we don't have an excuse for why he's not wearing his armor anymore. Uh, Ian, uh, make something up. <laughs> So they so think about this. This is uh, like going back to things about this how this movie was made. Uh, there were a, there was a lot of restructuring in this movie after the fact. Uh, after it was shot. After it was yeah. shot. Um, mm. it, well, I think also some some changes were made. Even so, Chris White's who directed this movie has the like, weirdest IMDb directorial page ever. He's <laughs> pretty weird. Uh, yeah. He has essentially like disowned this movie because it's like not the thing he set out to make. He originally wrote and like has subsequently leaked online uh, a like 180 <laughs> page. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I guess I don't, he, I don't think he admits to having done yeah. this. It's like Ryan but... Reynolds didn't leak the Deadpool footage <laughs> yeah, five yeah, years yeah. ago. Uh, but a like 180 some odd page script that was too long because they had a firm like this is a children's movie. It has to be it can't like it has to be under two hours. And so that script was trimmed down like you know like 30 30 some odd pages were hacked out of that uh and then the they did some trial screenings of the movie and 
the the book is the book ends sadly. The ending of the book is very sad. It's the first book in a, in like in a trilogy, mm. and honestly, even the trilogy ending is a little bittersweet. <laughs> like it's not I don't know it's not happy. Like it's a book about children being abducted and like murdered. And the so the the actual ending the the, the final sequence of events in the book and what was originally shot is so Lyra is Lyra gets captured um, with, while she's with the Egyptians, right? They in the movie in the in the movie as as it was released the her capture her capturers take her to the bears but that is not what they were doing they were also helping the magisterium like they were capturing children and bringing them to svalbard so like that's that was supposed to be the next point svalbard the where, where the kids are kid prison kid prison was supposed to be the first stop before that the bear makes so much so, more sense so thing like, one is supposed oh. to be is supposed to be kid prison so she's the which is where the egyptians were headed which is why lyra mm-hmm. knew like lyra was already building a plan how am i gonna, gonna get the kids out of kid prison because i know the egyptians are coming this is where they were headed like it's it sucks that i didn't get to come here with them but now that i'm on the inside my i gotta find a way to get all these kids outside so that we can flee with the Egyptians. Uh, And then like the battle happens, that's pretty much as it is in the book. And then Lyra, as as we see at the end of this movie, is headed towards her father, headed towards Lord Asriel. It is on while they are headed towards Lord Asriel, while they're in the 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 uh, hot air balloon. Yes, while they're in the The hot air balloon. Yes, the airship. The airship goes down and that's how she get how she winds up stuck with the bears, um, mm. and the bears are also the ones who are holding Lord Asriel captive. And so after the after like Yorick becomes re- retakes his throne and returns to being king of the bears, he as Lord Asriel's new like technical captor is like, yeah, I, I will take you to your dad because uh, like I don't give a shit. I didn't make this treaty with the humans. Fuck the humans. I'll take you to your dad. Uh, and then once she gets to her dad with Roger. Her Lord Asriel, uh, who is like also who, it's not... revealed that it's so in the movie. Oh, the reveal, it's yeah, the the reveal about when when the reveal is also very stupid. I hate <laughs> the reveal in the movie. That's like a separate thread. About, but Lord Asriel is her dad. Um, but they he his ultimate plan is that he needs a power source, something very very powerful, in order to open the sort of portal to other worlds. And specifically, he is looking into the same process that the magisterium, this intercision process. And so he basically in the middle of the night, he like, is like, oh yes, kids, welcome to my little house, my little house prison, go to sleep. And then in the middle of the night takes Roger like and, and goes to perform intercision on Roger as his power source for splitting open the worlds. And that is the way the book ends. Lyra's friend who she, she spends the whole journey, mm, like, yeah. goes on this whole journey to rescue him. And he, she ultimately brings him to his death. Uh, because her dad's evil. Because her dad is actually, he sucks. Uh, that sounds so good. <laughs> right. And so, but, yeah. then, but basically they were like, no, this is too sad of a way to end a children's, a children's movie. And we, and like, also we need a, like, I don't know, cliffhanger. So like they, New Line insisted on making that the beginning of the second movie. Uh, Which is great, and we've all seen it. Right, yeah, yeah the second movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and, like, there are also lots of things, even even in the production stage, there were, there was a lot of uh, anxiety around the ways in which they were tempering, like, the athe- these kind of explicit atheism of the books. 
in order to keep people happy, which is ironic because yeah. it, they ended up being like really aggressively protested and boycotted. Like that's actually the first thing I remember hearing about. I knew nothing about the books. I I, I read them as an, as an, like maybe a year or two after the movie came out. Uh, and I remember when the movie came out, hearing the backlash. Like that was I knew that before I knew Wait, anything backlash else. from atheists from Christians from oh, like Christian okay. groups yeah. like being that like this these the this movie it's funny to hear you say that too they were <laughs> yeah. mad that this movie might m- encourage children to go read the books so like even though the movie even though the movie even though yeah. the movie uh, stripped out a lot of the the kind of more aggressive I don't know atheism of the, <laughs> it's novel. the kids who watch it go something seems to be missing <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm gonna go read the book that's probably better uh-huh. right. and uh-huh. and so then they wanted to like boycott the movie and so yeah there's like layers upon layers of just really terrible uh, managerial things going on like interference <laughs> in this movie. This, that makes, this, yeah, yeah, there's so that many things that makes because there's like so many things that pop up in the movie that I'm like, this is such an obvious setup mm-hmm. for something to happen later, yes. and it just never gets brought up again. Yes. That's like what, the, yeah. the bears that you're talking about, like this, ama- like this scene, like oh, he goes back and claims his rightful heir to the throne, kind of thing, uh-huh. and then later in the final battle scene, he just shows up by himself. It's like you just got a bear army. Yeah, yeah. bring the fucking bear. <laughs> Who are the witches? Who are they? <laughs> Bring the, oh, why aren't there more the bears? The only thing we know about the witches yes. is that one of them randomly shows up for exposition on a boat. Yeah! And then yep. later on, they just fly over. Right. Yes. It's just a complete They're migrating north for the winter. Yeah. Just happened to drop in on the war. The witches is where I really turned on the movie. Yeah. So that's the moment when it's Eva Green, right? Yes. When she drops in on the boat just to like quiz Lyra on how her compass works and yeah. then goes, bye. <laughs> and, like, yeah, takes off. I'm just like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> right. And, and why does Lyra trust her? In I, this I literally typed in my notes at that point, I don't trust any adult in this movie. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> Which apparently, even like the book even proved me right more so. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, 100%. No adult is trustworthy. This is the, the, the framing, the books are very much, it's like the, the books tell you which adults are good and bad based on how they treat children. Like that's when you're like, yeah. oh, okay, okay, yes. Good adults are the ones who are good because it's you know children's book, like, yeah. right? The good adults are the ones who listen to children. Like and so the people who listen to Lyra, or like Lee Scoresby listens to Lyra. Basically, all of the Egyptians listen to Lyra. Like ah, those are good people. Right. Uh, <laughs> so Lee Scoresby is Sam Elliott in yes. this movie. Sam, oh, yeah. the great Sam best Elliott. Best part of the whole damn movie. <laughs> I'm gonna go with polar bears being yeah. the best part. Yeah. Of yes. the damn polar bear punching off another bear's jaw That's all right. is pretty great, dude. Yeah, but like <laughs> Sam Elliott's mustache and him just wandering around being Sam Elliott, like... See, here's the thing. Here's the, I want to... Well, okay, you let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Bear jaw punching versus Sam Elliott. That's... Okay, to New be... Poll. To be fair, like, I would accept this as like double ticket, like, one's president, <laughs> one's VP. I'm happy either way. Like... But, but here's, Elliot Bearjaw 2020. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. We need a character who's an air cowboy. Let's get the most obvious choice that we could get to play that. You get cowboy actor Sam Elliott. Which right. is why it's yeah. very interesting to me, and Nicole can probably elaborate on this, maybe not on this episode because it's not important, but that Lin-Manuel Miranda is playing the same role in the HBO series because he's the least cowboy. I like that way more to me. Mm. Honestly, I love Sam Elliott. Like, oh, I, yeah. yeah. I absolutely do adore him. But oh, I, I don't dislike the Lin-Manuel uh, casting. It just is very, like, those two <laughs> humans. Well, Philip K. Dick 
No, it's Philip Pullman. Yes, Philip Pullman. Philip Pullman originally wanted Sam Jackson for the part of Lee Scoresby. Oh, and I'm like, another third different human. Huh. And I would be like, yeah, that would be fucking sweet. Yeah. yeah. I could, and I, and I, I read that as I was watching it this time. And it was right when uh, after um, the bear gets his armor back and uh, Sam and uh, Scoresby pulls a gun. And starts talking down all of the guards. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, I could so see Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> yeah. doing this. seen him do well, that especially because times. as the series progresses, and this is where Lin-Manuel Miranda is ultimately like going to be really phenomenal in the role, is at least Gorsby becomes sort of her adoptive dad. Like mm. he is like mm. her actual dad. Like her, because her biological dad sucks and murders her best friend, uh, <laughs> her Lee Gorsby ends up sort of stepping in and, and like – symbolically is is dad and Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda will bring strong dad energy but yeah. I feel like Samuel L. Jackson could straddle that line of like <laughs> he's the badass when you meet him and then ultimately like he's dad like Captain yeah. Marvel Sam Jackson yes. yeah. like definitely yes. rides that line totally yeah <laughs> I, I so uh, there's a lack of originality in a lot of the casting here and yes. some of that was intentional some of it was they cast Ian McKellen late they had another actor who had Ian done Ian McKellen is not that's a weird choice to me he is one of the few casting choices that I'm like I don't know well no no I, I mean <laughs> obviously because they wanted to try to to pull from the Lord of the Rings oh and got it. apparently yeah, yeah, yeah. that was exactly why he and Christopher Lee <laughs> are both in here even though Christopher Lee is in here it's a great Christopher they don't have a scene together no mind no. you you have to before there's no sorry Gandalf standoff here. It's just <laughs> what the fuck did you just say? It's Saruman. Oh. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. Oh no. Skip ahead twenty minutes so you don't have to hear the conversation that's about to happen. So in the Silmarillion, <laughs> Sauron was actually Morgoth. Oh, the power went out. Podcast also, is over. Also oh, no. known as Melkor. <laughs> Who is who is a representation of Lucifer? I didn't know no. it was possible to fall asleep with your eyes open and your mouth moving, but I think I just did like it. Every every word that came after the next one is the most boring thing you've ever heard. Um, this is better than ASMR. But like the the. So they're doing obvious things like trying to mine from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of the stuff you said, Nicole, also made me question, like, I didn't think of this as a children's movie. Mm. I mean, so this is, there. This is there's like a separate, this is also, uh, we did a, on Star Squad Pod, we've done episodes about all three books. And we had this conversation at length about the first book in particular, about, you know, the degree, how you would classify this book. Uh, and it, it's it's middle grade, mostly because its protagonist is middle grade. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, it's, I don't know, the language is maybe a little, a step above that. Like, I think language-wise, it's probably more closer, more fair to call it YA. And also, like, the darkness of it is is also, I think, a big question um around you know are you giving this to your children and like i don't know man like that's, <laughs> that's like honestly dark. that's but like yeah. i i think i think that this is a there's a guardian responsibility question like how involved mm. are you in your children's media consumption sure. and so like i i have no children i'm not gonna <laughs> no, nobody sitting in this conversation has children and therefore i don't i like don't think that it is appropriate for any of us <laughs> to weigh in on this question of what is and is not appropriate I don't think it's for me. No, that's true. (laughs) I'm not thinking appropriate. I'm thinking 
the mindset of the people oh, making yes, it. Yes, oh, yes, yeah, I think yeah. that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's completely like head of studio sees a kid in the lead role. They yes. go, kids movie. Correct. Yeah, and that's just like whenever, unfortunately, like you see like a woman in a lead role in a movie, they're like, no, oh, it's, a, it's a chick flick. I also think, and, and to that point, like you keep talking about Lord of the Rings stuff and my thinking is that New Line's, New Line's vision here is much more Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it very I mean, well uh, could be, but everything I, I was reading about it was they were yeah. trying to recapture the, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, sure, the, the Lord they, of the Rings yeah, thing yeah, yeah, that yeah. they had created, but they're doing a shitty job yes. of it. Like, like <laughs> right. every step along, we we yeah. had a con- we had a Slack conversation about this. We were talking about that opening narration, oh, God. which apparently was added <laughs> in late. Added, yeah, yeah, so this was not part of the. This is not part of the. I, I have not read the 180 page le- leaked script, but I sort of I like perused it, and it does not begin there. It begins with like a, a school lesson with Lyra in, Lyra in class. Again, Lyra, not fucking Lord Asriel. <laughs> yeah. this is so it opens with Lyra and it's like a little bit of like you see Lyra's sort of, I, I will say the first thing that we get with Lyra, you do see a little bit of uh, sort of her essential, like she's very adventurous. She's also a really good liar. Like those are essential Lyra traits. Well, and you see a little, you see a little, a little so bit subtle. of that like happening early on. Uh, but anyway, the, yes, the opening narration wasn't part of the thing. It is infuriating both because it's just like bad from a storytelling perspective yeah, that we're getting this like weird info dump. And uh, as Tuna pointed out to us in a text message, I think it was Tuna or Matt, I forget, but that uh, this is all information that is repeated again and again throughout the movie. None of the information from that info dump is is is, <laughs> right. is only told to us there. Uh, it's exactly but- the same situation that happened with Zardoz, which we recently did on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. where they added in an intro later because the studio said it'll be better this way. Uh-huh. And they added in an intro that is not only confusing and doesn't really explain anything but also is better explained later on in the movie and if you cut it off there's some air of mystery left to certain things (laughs) in the movie that instead you're watching it and going like I already know about that the thing that is particularly like magical about the books and this is often true of like YA fantasy is that because we are following a child protagonist through this story she is sheltered like she doesn't know things mm-hmm. and so we get to learn things as she learn th- learns things and so I, this is one of the I think the tricks of, of adapting this this book to screen and I'm honestly a little bit worried about it with the show too is the degree to which they are front loading the adult politics that are not really present in the first book like mm-hmm. it's not until later that Lyra starts to understand them and thus the reader starts to understand them and so uh, there's like just way too much of this what the magisterium is up to that is all like in, it's in the background Lyra doesn't give a shit she's a child she wants right. to go rescue her friend Lyra's concern is going to rescue her friend and like periodically it's like oh gobblers and and what which again they took what is uh, the, the that scene in the book much more elegant. Lyra just like in the, in the movie, she like reads a piece of paper. Uh, then Mrs. Coulter just happens to have lying around and has the list of like the six children she cares most. Like I just <laughs> no. Th- we had this conversation on your <laughs> podcast about the girl in the spider's web. Mm, yes, about yes. There's a mystery, and you have people who are ostensibly detectives who do no detecting. <laughs> they just get clues thrown at them. Yes, and that's yes. the thing in this. Also. So I was like, there's moments of legitimate confusion here because she was calling those kids gobblers. At least that's what I felt the, like the, she was the, calling the, them. The, not the kids. The, their captors are gobblers. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that. Like the nurse looking people at the building. 
Like, well, no, because like I thought she was calling the kids who were chasing Roger uh, gobblers. Okay, so this oh. is them playing a game. They were playing like they were playing a game. <laughs> I did not get yeah, that. Yes, yeah. I okay. thought it was like they called the gang the gobblers. No, but no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. This is like it's like they're playing a game like gobblers and kids, and so like the and like as it's like uh, cops and robbers. Sure, is 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 sort of the deal. No, it makes sense when you say it, but it <laughs> yes. makes sense to me in no, the movie. I, yes, one hundred percent. I yeah. I I cannot divorce the like dozen. <laughs> readings of the book from my experience of this thing which is part of why it's hard for me to talk too much about like where it's failing as a movie but like yes any of your questions I, like I'm, I'm i have to answer them oh yeah i know the yeah. answer no that's great because <laughs> actually that that is a cool thing honestly that they're playing that game that right. that is a great mm-hmm. bit this of detail is, and this is this is the, the first place where we learn about it in the book is these the kids the kids are playing all sorts of games and then the game segues into okay now we're playing gobblers and like because kids are going missing and yeah. like <laughs> so I, and let me I, here's there this goes back to that na- opening narration yeah it's an info dump yes in a film that is in my opinion nothing but info dumps and my first reaction to you I think when I came in after seeing it the next day was like I didn't know what I was supposed to be paying attention to because well, it turned every out at the end of the movie like so many of the things that my brain was trying to remember from the beginning <laughs> don't happen or aren't relevant in this movie because at the end of the movie they're all like and next movie we'll talk about that yeah right yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah I thought a whole scene dedicated to like hey here's all the stuff that we just sort of forgot about yeah like, <laughs> oh yeah Daniel Craig he'll be back dust yeah, don't worry about it yet uh, what else right. we got um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just it was yeah but uh, which is also again like to I'm the, stammering this, through this this, uh, this question of you know modes of storytelling assuming that the viewer is like very stupid like it's it's operating on the assumption yes. that and, and i mean it's i will say that it is also true of the experience of reading the book that there is a ton of information it's like the first it, i would say if people like do not finish the book they will frequently do it in the first hundred pages because there's so much like coming at you, mm-hmm. but it's all fairly organic the way it's coming at you. And you don't really know what you're going to need to hold on to because Lyra also doesn't know what she's going to need to hold on to. Like she doesn't know which of the the things that she's encountering in all of these scenes are actually important, which is part of why it's all kind of being thrown at you. And then later something will pop up and like, then Lyra will have the moment of, Oh, like that actually was, but like, it comes up when it comes up, like unlike this movie, which was going out of its way to just randomly insert these scenes of like, don't forget. The assumption I was working under as I watched this film was that somebody wanted to adapt this book, mm-hmm. but they were so devoted to keeping as much of the book in as they could <laughs> that it just ended up like everything had to be truncated that and nonsensical. That is exactly the feeling I came and like, away with. Yes. It's, and to the point where I was like, man, it feels like a lot of this dialogue is verbatim because it sounds like it's designed for a non-visual medium. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But like the first time she opens up the golden compass, she says, look, Pen, it's got loads of pictures around the edge. And it's like, yes, we can see that. Yeah. Here's an insert of this also, thing. Also, Pan has eyes. Yes, Pan has eyes. You have eyes. The audience has eyes. This is not an audio book. There's a giant, especially in a theater, here's like a 20-foot tall picture uh-huh. of this thing with pictures. And it's like, why is that in there? If this is in a book where she's having to like yes. this, I'm like, okay, I can see that. 
But it's even more frustrating because if you just cut that, the next line plays perfectly because he says, what do they all mean? And it's like, you okay. Just show us the pictures. Right, you show us the pictures and yeah. have the demon ask, hey, what do those mean? Yeah, like, and it's like, like had right. a long lingering shot close up of her like touching it and like looking yeah. at it. And he goes, what do they mean? Right. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. That's perfect. No, no, we're not yeah. getting any long lingering shots of anything. <laughs> no. no. It's, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Everybody so now, and, hearing yeah. that like, oh no, they actually did change a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, why so didn't you make it better then? Like, well, it sounds like, like you just made it worse. The stuff you were talking about, Nicole, of like everyone kind of being connected to Lyra in yeah. different ways I feel like in this movie she's bouncing around from all these people and it feels like she doesn't know any of them yes yes. and I also feel like because of that and maybe this is presented differently in the book because she does know everyone she feels like a weirdly competent main child character in this film hmm. in situations where I'm like I might actually want to see her be a little less competent mm -hmm. in some of these things because this is the first time she's encountering this thing. Hmm. She shouldn't know entirely how to handle this. And But if you want to make her an entirely competent, great in all situations, in high pressure, a good liar, all those things. A Mary show me Sue? <laughs> nope. Not going to acknowledge the fact that you said those words out loud. Um, but like, give me some reason earlier on to show that like she has any personality or traits. Yep. Yeah. Like, to like the the classroom scene about being a good liar or something like that like show me some of that before yeah. just like in the first half hour she's she's like spends her time with like four different groups of people mm -hmm. and i'm like does she know any of these people right. and then after that half hour like one of them's already betrayed her and i don't like i like that's what my distrust of every adult like i didn't trust the egyptians right because mm -hmm. i'm like well i don't know what they're gonna do now because these other people are screwing her over like I just assumed by the end of it she was going to be like on her own and no one to trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing that I'm that I ran into with Lyra was, um, if we get to the the moment where she gets Yorick's armor back, where she helps him get. First of all, that's that moved too fast for me because mm -hmm. like they go and they have a conversation. You find out everything about Yorick, and then she walks away. Then she walks back immediately, <laughs> and then it, it, like, well, I, I know where you know get your armor, whatever, but. Immediately after that, he is, you know, in her debt. Okay, that's the only time I see that happening. Um, cowboy guy also mm -hmm. just immediately sort of falls head over heels, her protector, for no real reason to me. He was hired by the Egyptians. Yeah, he was hired by them. But he, you know, there's the conversation that Yorick and he are having, I think, as they're walking up the plank, is sort of like, yeah, she does have a certain special something, mm -hmm, doesn't mm -hmm, she? Or something mm -hmm. about yeah, that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it yeah. felt and, a lot like a little bit of like the chosen one. Yes. Type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. But no, it wasn't again, like it wasn't far enough in that direction right. of it. Like everyone knows about this chosen one who can read this compass. Like yeah. no one is talking about like, I think she might be the, she might be the one. Mm -hmm. And yet, as much as I hate chosen one things. Yeah. This existing in that middle ground, yeah, pick because it, pick, that yeah. is so. That is the point. It's like she is the only one who can read this thing, right? Well, uh, the, the they <laughs> also, that in the intro. Yes, the, she is the only one who can read it innately. There are books by which this is, and and the this whole thing of there being only one left is also not a thing. I don't know how the fuck they're what they were planning on doing with the subsequent <laughs> books because, like, in the last book, it's a thing where the two factions both also have an alethiometer. And 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 readers, like and scholars who can read them, and they're like, but it takes them forever. Whereas Elira, again, because she is something of a chosen one, can innately read it. It's also just like not as big of a deal. Like it's a big deal for her, but nobody in the 
other people are not as obsessed with it. Like Mrs. Coulter wants it, wants to take it from her, but like it's not clear that it all of this weird sort of magisterium stuff like oh we need it because we we banned the the alethiometers like that's not a that that, that yeah. that's an invention of the movie that's well, not in the book at it all it also makes me wonder of like <laughs> like why does anyone else want it if it's useless yeah right and they even like kind of yes. say that to her is like oh you don't want that it's a useless toy yes cuz it's like, the name of the movie they don't really fight for it like none of them really like I thought it was going to be a much bigger deal than it <laughs> yeah. even is. Of like, mm-hmm. oh, they they're going to hunt her down to steal this compass back. Yeah, but then yeah. nobody really seems to care that much about it. And if she's the only one who can read it, uh, yeah, yeah. What is uh, Nicole? You can probably explain <laughs> this better because this is just something that I read on the internet yesterday uh-huh. about how it became named the Golden mm-hmm. Compass. Mm-hmm. Oh, because yes, I have had feelings <laughs> about this. Oh, I have some massive feelings yeah. about this. So yeah, the fact that they included a line otherwise known as a Golden Compass. This is like a slap in the face <laughs> to book fans uh, because the original, the British title is Northern Lights. Again, because the book ends with Lord Asriel going to the Northern Lights and using the intercision process to like that like cause this power surge and the northern lights it's like a, like the com- the combination of those two things and like magic you know because whatever uh, He's is a what strange causes fellow, but he does like, cut off a good demon <laughs> <laughs> this is what like what opens the worlds right the the northern lights are like the essential thing that we're building towards and it's the at the, the beginning you know the in the uh, in the uh, master's retiring room she oversees him or she sees Asriel showing the photograms of the Northern Lights, right? So, like, bookending the book, Northern Lights, makes sense. The Golden Compass was the U.S. title because they were like, we can't have a book, a kid's book called Northern Lights. We're going to call it Golden Compass. Uh, Even though, like, that's not a phrase that ever appears in the books, like, at all. Like, it's like, there's, at some point... No one ever actually, like, calls it No, no one calls it the Golden Compass. At some point, it's mentioned that it looks kind of like... (laughs) It's not really a compass. No, it, it sure just has hands. Not. It so sure is not. It would have made more sense to call it a golden clock. Yeah. Compass. From what I understand, it was like before the books came out, the golden compasses was the working title because it was a reference to a specific Bible passage. Or I, th- I can't remember if it was a Bible passage or if it was something like Lewis Carroll An referencing a Bible passage. Huh. It was a <laughs> reference to something specific, yeah, uh, <laughs> that said the golden compasses that was related to the Bible somehow. And it was just like, that was just like the working title as the UK publishers were getting through this. And that had gotten sent to the US publishers. So then when the UK publishers were like, okay, we've settled on Northern Lights and the whole thing is going to be called His Dark, his dark materials. materials. And the U.S. publishers were like, no, we like that Golden Compass thing. We're going to stick with that. Huh. And they just did. And it was the most American thing <laughs> I have ever heard. <laughs> why are the Northern... Why are Northern... What? I know what Northern Lights are. Yeah. I'm the No, mo- it was literally just someone at the publisher. This was the explanation I read. I think it was on Wikipedia or something that they had linked to in the, in the um, sources. But it was just like, yeah, somebody at the U.S. publisher was like, no, I like. And they didn't even get it right. It was a, they, it wasn't supposed to be singular. It was supposed to be plural. So, yeah. yeah, I just pulled this up to verify some of this. And, yeah, he called his series when he was first doing it. He called the whole series of books the Golden okay. Compasses is what he was going to call like the series in his, uh-huh. in his first thing. So then he submitted his first manuscript and the U.S. publisher was just like, 
All right, so uh, we're just going to call this the Golden Compass <laughs> because, yeah, they were just like, yeah, so he's, it must be a reference uh, to the thing in the book. So that's, my, that's what it's going to be called. Oh, my God. Yeah. Northern Lights is such a good title. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Like, beyond... And it makes sense. It, beyond it making sense, which it totally does, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's also a great title for a fantasy novel. Like, that is awesome. The Golden Compass, again, it sounds like a kid's thing. It, well, but it yeah. sounds also like... It lets me believe that like people are going to talk about this thing like it's a compass. Right. And then the intro <laughs> doubles down on that uh-huh. and calls it a golden compass. Uh-huh. And then not a single person in the movie uh-huh. calls it a compass. Again, and there's like a really aggressive focusing on on this object, which in a way that again the book does not because yeah. it assumes it's like oh well this is what the movie is called and we're gonna like in- include a whole bunch of extra stuff about this object uh, like. I don't know, to justify the title of the movie, maybe, but also really like because we think our audience isn't smart enough to to follow yeah. it unless we keep talking about the thing that is the title of the movie. And like thematically, yes, the Northern Lights, now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, yeah, those are way more important to the story, but they are so de-emphasized yeah. in favor of this damn clock. It was yep. like, yeah, yeah, gold jewelry worked real well for us in our last series. Yeah. What do we got in this one? Yeah, right. What's um, the gold metal object in this movie? You're not wrong, I don't think. <laughs> what if she oh, threw it into a volcano? Oh. <laughs> oh, but then she doesn't. And what's, who's our golem? <laughs> like, uh, the weasel we bites her finger. Lying around. This is an amazing bad film to watch. For me, not amazing in a samurai cop way that is entertaining <laughs> and like, you know, and like wild. And you're like, oh, I can't believe that somebody put so much time. in. But you're watching this and, and I my attitude is just like, how did so many talented people get so many things wrong in so many different ways? Uh-huh. Like it, it, it's it's mind boggling to me. And I actually may watch it again someday, like just because it is so it's not bad in the same way. The last airbender is bad. Like the last airbender you watch and for almost from the first moment, you're like, okay, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. This is just wow. Mm -hmm. And like every moment of it Mm -hmm. is bad. And this doesn't have that because it's got such great actors Mm -hmm. and it's got such wonderful CG going on and it's got like really good ideas like the ideas that they're pulling from and even Mm -hmm. some of the ones that they made up are not bad ideas Mm -hmm. necessarily it's all compelling but it is it is compacted in this weird way that makes everything not matter Mm -hmm. bizarrely (laughs) and there are I'm sorry but there are no character moments if we want to talk about just really quickly that opening narration which is only two minutes long I timed it it's a two minute long uh, opening narration that feels like it is trying to pull the Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings had a very similar Mm. thing with Galadriel uh, narrating that opening now to be fair the one in Lord of the Rings is eight minutes long this is two minutes, so you can't get as much information. But I want to state that there are some really good character moments in that opening sequence in Lord of the Rings where the, there's there's a great big battle coming on. But we also get close ups of people having their reaction when Sauron takes the field. And we have like the reaction of Isildur being betrayed by the, the ring and everything underwater. Like we have character moments for us as audience members to latch on to. This whole movie is almost completely devoid 
of those character moments. It, it blows my mind how and something it, like this can be that vacant. And well, it, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. it's it just feels like there were all, so many spots where it felt like they were trying to go in that direction and then they just bailed. Too yeah, soon. they just bailed. There's like the part where they're walking up a hill and she's doing her like little kid speech and like yeah. just chattering to the bear. And normally that's like a chance for them to interact. And he just gives sort of like this like look over his shoulder with blank polar bear face <laughs> and then it cuts to the next scene. And it's like, no, 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 you need to have like, how does he, this, I, I kept coming back to this in terms of adaptation the whole time. But in Jurassic Park, when Grant is dealing with Tim and he's like, you know, doing his little kid thing and like, oh, here's this book by your rival that I bet you haven't heard all about. And like following him around as they're like trying to get in the cars. <laughs> yeah. And it's like Sam Neill doesn't say a thing, but there's so much good acting with him, like thinking through what do I do with this child as this child chatters. And it's yes. such a good character moment for both of them. And that's what I wanted out of this bear thing. But then it was like, eh. <laughs> this is also part of why it frustrates me so much that we have, again, too many scenes, I think, given to Lord Asriel and Mrs. Coulter, is going back to what you guys were saying about all the different people that we see Lyra bouncing around. Like, it is... I don't know how you can read these books and not, like, a little bit fall in love with, like, the character of Lyra as you are watching her go through all of the things that she's going through sure. and do the things that she's doing. and. And like part of what's going on there is that we are watching then all of not all because some of the adults suck, but like (laughs) the the, the adults who are good people as they're interacting with her, we're seeing them, for example, Lee Scoresby, like we're seeing him interact with her, uh, Yorick Burnus, like we're seeing how these different characters spend time with Lyra and they have like that space and you see like this little girl's dope and like you Mm -hmm. watch them realize that and so you the audience are like yes I understand why this bear now will do anything to protect this small child like uh, (laughs) in a way that because there are no there's no space for any of that character stuff here like you just you you can't you cannot tell the story in two hours in less than two hours like you can't you can't do it I don't unless you (laughs) which is kind of you know going to roll into how we would fix it but like unless you you focus on you something. Mm-hmm. You out. have to strip yeah. things away, yes. right? And and focus on something. And they did that in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are things mm-hmm. that are stripped away from that. I think it was probably easier in Lord of the Rings because Tolkien was very much about, oh, this this is whimsical to me, so I'm going to put it in there. Right. Uh-huh. And then they were here's like, here's a song for you. Here's a song. Here's <laughs> Tom Bombadil that makes absolutely no goddamn sense, <laughs> but he's a big part of the book, so how do we work our way around that and keep it linear uh-huh. and just keep to it instead of just trying to hammer everything in there and just go straight from... Like, there is... Um, one of the problems I had with the Star Wars prequels is a similar thing, where it's just like, can you guys just stop for five <laughs> seconds like there you know there and i had a problem here like it would have been great to get to experience more of the world with lyra but we don't get that opportunity for her to take anything in mm-hmm. i think one of the nicest things in lord of the rings is when they walk into uh, galadriel's kingdom and they get to take it in mm-hmm. and it's after this giant battle so you're just like okay i need a break I need a break and wow, this is beautiful. And like, well, that's a movie with good pacing. It's, it, yeah. and they know how to like both write and edit and it's, that film. It's wild because like you, in even to this point of the you know the 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 length, if you replaced all of the scenes where they're telling us things that like they have the space to show us these things. Yes. Going back to Tuna's point about the like the alethiometer, I like there. 
it, it's visual. So things that took so many pages to describe, <laughs> you can just show us. Uh, <laughs> the perks of an adaptation yeah. is yeah. like when you have five pages of like what this character's thinking, you can just yeah. have them give a look. Yes. But oh, you just have to like tell everyone what's happening. And that's it. The, the Yorick meeting scene felt like a mess that way, where it was just like, like A, in part of the scene, she just like gets to the point where she's just like, oh, here's the point of the scene. I was I was going to meet a bear and I was excited and now I'm disappointed. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, that's literally, they did that as a joke on The Simpsons where like a bad thing happens and then Homer's sitting there and he goes, I'm sad. <laughs> and then it just cuts to commercial break. It's like, no, no, that's a joke because that's a bad way to do things. And it doesn't matter if that exists in the book it doesn't work yeah. the way it's done here so yeah the, well, it probably like again like giving it more time yeah, <laughs> yeah. just letting things yeah. happen in like even uh, like a more realistic pacing like they don't need to be like a glacial pace but they mm -hmm. like let things happen in a way where people can like realistically process things as they're happening to them rather yeah. than just like that it's kind of that uh it feels like no one's listening to each other. They're just like, they have their line to yes. say. Yes. Right. And so as soon as someone says their line, they're like, and now I go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I had no sense of the time scale of this movie. I have no idea how long it just well, takes place over. And that's why, like, I think my favorite scene in the movie was Lyra lying to Bear King Man. Uh, yeah. Everything, everything involving that. Yeah. That from the fight to her lying to him, which was, I I agree, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like her immediately, like, quick thinking of, like, uh, yeah, so I'm his demon, but if you kill him, I can be your demon, and I know you really want that. Uh -huh. was, like, really well done, and yeah. makes her character awesome uh -huh. in ways that, like, she doesn't get to shine in other scenes. Yes. And but then they fucked that up, even, <laughs> which I just found out from Nicole is, like, them totally fucking it up, because... I thought it was like, oh, those are like the bears people that just kidnapped her and brought her to the bear guy. And then she's like, oh, I showed up here to make you a deal. And it's like, wait, didn't you just send those people to kidnap her? Why would she be like coming here to propose a deal if you're the one who summoned her? Like that doesn't make sense right. to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a, whereas she crash landed, and uh, she does. She gets. She does briefly good in prison, but like it's she crash landed, and thereby can make the argument. I was right. coming to you. But yeah, whereas you if she was a very good point. She was just. <laughs> yeah. She was abducted. Like he's. They saw her being brought, not not yeah. willfully. I'm like, this would be such a good uh -huh. scene if uh -huh. that setup made sense. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yeah. like it was so frustrating uh -huh. because that is such that quick thinking that trick like. Again, yeah, that was one of my favorite things in the whole movie was that scene. But then there was just that one little bit, that, <laughs> that one thing. The fight was pretty epic. Yeah. Like that fight. Again, man, the siege, the visual effects artists doing work. Well, like, and also, like, it was one of those things because I have no prior knowledge of this. I was like, that bear could die. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Aslan no, moment. No, no, <laughs> right. right. Who knows? Maybe he's a Jesus bear. He's going to come back. Yeah. Um, but. Like the moment he like reaches back and punches off that bear's jaw, I like literally like like shock laughed out loud <laughs> like, in my house. I'm just like, oh, what? <laughs> and again, though, like you go back to this is a kids movie. Uh -huh. R uh, really? <laughs> we're gonna t we're gonna pace it like a kids movie, mm. but we're gonna have a jaw get punched yeah. off. Yeah, might as well just like push his bear thumbs through his bear eyes. <laughs> yeah. Bear blood. And yeah. Bear yeah. fur. <laughs> 
bear. Yeah. It, it is all described in, in rather detail. <laughs> 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 yes. Rather thorough detail. <laughs> the one, one of the like, uh, shining sort of, I don't know, few things that are okay in this. We've mentioned that like a lot of the performances are really good. I do want to specifically say that Dakota Blue Richards, because she is a ch- like Nicole Kidman is phenomenal and like so perfectly cast in this role, but like, I, I don't know, we know she's good. Dakota, <laughs> Dakota Blue Dakota Blue Richards was like an actual child being asked to carry this movie. And if the movie had, if the things around her had been good, mm. she like, <laughs> I, I, I think she did a really phenomenal job. And it's sad to me that like, that she didn't get an opportunity to actually shine in a, in a good movie. <laughs> I can definitely sympathize with that. I, I didn't like watching her or any of the kids. It mm. was a mm-hmm. weird, it felt very um, community theater director not knowing how to work with kids Um, and it's not the kids fault right like yes this yeah on uh, board second yeah (laughs) so there was a thing there that because like i know like a couple of those other kids have gone on to do stuff and Uh like they're very talented yeah um but they don't have the experience of like Daniel Craig. Even if you watch Daniel Craig in this, he does the Daniel Craig thing of making everything seem fucking effortless. Yeah. <laughs> like everything he does, whenever he is in the room, whatever he's doing, there is no effort. It's just flair. Uh-huh. And similarly with Nicole Kidman, she has years of experience. Yes. So she's not getting the, you know, what she needs from a director. As long as she knows generally where she's supposed to be. She can make that work. Kids don't have that. Yes, you know? sure. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and yes. it was one of the problems, again, with the Star Wars prequels. Ewan McGregor, Ian McDermott, mm-hmm. no problem. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, Liam Neeson, you put them in a scene, there, you know, and you don't give them any direction, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cute, weird dog. <laughs> My dog is being very cute and weird. Like, almost laying on her back, but, but not quite. Not, like a 45-degree angle laying down. So like this movie, she was going to do a thing and then got like <laughs> partway there and then was like, eh. She bailed on the idea. Yeah. yeah. But what I was saying is that the, the the kids, you know, young Natalie Portman, young Jake Lloyd, if you don't have a real good kids director with them, it's, it's just unfair. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a fair thing to ask. And uh, so that was a it was it was stressful to me at times, Um, even though I thought there was a really the the scene where they find is it Roger they find? No, Billy. Billy. They find Billy. Um, And that even though like them getting to that place and everything didn't make a lot of sense. But like the scene itself, I found very effective. Mm -hmm. I was very confused how they found that shack or. Yeah. The alethiometer told her. Yeah. The golden compass. Yeah. and I mean, uh, Chris uh, White's IMDb is very weird. Like he went from American Pie <laughs> to I think American Pie Two to uh, New Moon, which uh, about a boy. Was he did about before. a boy as well. He yeah. did about a boy. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> down to earth with Chris Rock. Wait a minute. <laughs> about a boy had wonderful child acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, hit and miss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hit and miss, yeah. Chris. They call him. <laughs> But, I mean, the same thing is true of M. Night Shyamalan. Like, if you get a great child actor, you don't have to do much because he didn't do a great job with the kids in The Last Airbender. Um, But Sixth Sense? But Sixth Sense knocked that shit out of the park. So, yeah, I don't know. Very, very strange. But then, yeah, he did New Moon, which I was really excited to see. 
because I hated Twilight. <laughs> and I so was, why were you excited to see it? Because the trailer we're, looked we're, really we're cool, yeah. and I liked the idea of like werewolves and shit. And uh-huh. I was like excited about like, okay, now we're handing it off to uh, to a different director, so maybe it'll be different. Get some of that American Pie energy yeah. up in yeah. the moon. <laughs> I don't know. The source just, material is still bad, so yeah. I, I, I I'm not gonna blame him for for that movie. I, I was amazed. I didn't even finish New Moon. Uh-huh. I was amazed at about the midway point that I was like, this is the. It's not as good looking as what Catherine. Hardwick did. <laughs> it is still the same shit, though. I uh, have a really fond memory of seeing that movie in the theater. Uh, opening weekend, me and some friends went out to the suburbs to uh, to to watch to watch that movie, and so it's a packed theater. And I don't, I for the life of me, can't remember the line. But something something happens uh, that is like a big dramatic moment. It's like a string of you know big dramatic emotional moments for Bella, uh, and this girl audibly gasps. And this guy, like one row back from me, said very loudly in the middle of the theater, shoot, she didn't even read the book. <laughs> the whole theater just like busted up. Uh, oh, that's great. Became one of my like favorite go-to phrases just in general. Hashtag shoot, she didn't even read the book. Uh-huh. That's great. Uh, I could talk about this movie forever, but we need to move on uh, to how we would each fix it. I already kind of talked about mine. So I'll just start. I I think you have to focus this. And for me, that focus would be much more on Lyra and Yorick and uh, Sam Elliott's character, whose name I can never. Lee Scoresby. Lee Scoresby. Like, and their journey to help her get where she needs to go. Yes. Like that, I think, would be the way to take it. But that's that's really my only fix is you have to. There's too much going on Mm -hmm. if you're going to limit it to two hours Mm -hmm. like that. That was the benefit. The so when Peter Jackson and Philippa Boyens and Fran Walsh pitched New Line Cinema on Lord of the Rings, they pitched two movies. Mm-hmm. They pitched Fellowship of the Ring and then a combination of the next two books in one movie called War of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and New Line looked at them and said, "Well, there's three books, so why don't we do three movies?" And Peter Jackson <laughs> was like, "I mean, yes." <laughs> Are you? Uh, can we? Can, can, can we, we afford that? <laughs> like, sir? And they just kept saying, "Peter Jackson, make three movies, yeah. <laughs> no matter what the cost, no matter what the source material, no matter how bad of movies you make." Yep. <laughs> Except that, yeah, that's totally it. And and so like they, I mean, Lord of the Rings was also a hail mary for um for New Line. New Line mm. was in some trouble. This was kind of their big like. We're going to go bigger. We're going to go home. We trust Peter Jackson. They put a really good producer in Barry Osborne on it. And we're like, okay, make these movies. Uh, And, you know, so the the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. (laughs) Tuna, how would you fix this? I mean, my original fix was just like make it all about Sam Elliott. Either his, char- <laughs> either his character or just Sam Elliott. Like, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I, just, no, I don't want a documentary that's like Sam Elliott being followers like, there's a polar bear over there. <laughs> right. Basically, Weird. yeah. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> I mean, but I think that's that was my jokey way of getting at the same thing that Nick's getting at, which is like, no, 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 like follow, like narrow it down. Here's mm-hmm. one thing. Like I, I just picked Sam Elliott because he was, again, that was my favorite scene in the movie because that's where it was like, oh, no, all right. I trust all of these actors now because mm-hmm. like I'm confident they all know what they're doing, even if yeah. the director and the writer – same guy, I think. Yep. Didn't necessarily. At least on the original pass. Oh, right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Now that I know it was like there was studio fuckery, I'm yes. less upset with Chris. It's like, also, I had... Chris is 
IMDb page is littered with studio fuckery. <laughs> he is not credited as the director of American Pie, but everything says he was the director. And he's got a few things like that where it's like he was the producer, but maybe also the screenwriter. That's oh, oh, see, yeah. Yeah. it's but yeah, like that's I I would be fascinated because like Sam Elliott pops up like twice. You know, like yeah. he has like two or three scenes, and it's like, no, 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 follow his like. I want to see yes, where he intersects with Lyra's I also story know more and about aeronauts. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was like he a just cool says part. that. And we're like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, like, oh boy, we get to go on a ship, and then like an hour later, we're like, do we get to go on the ship yet? Like, is that I heard something about an airship. Um, I was but told I think, there yeah. would be airships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but like I'm all pause of that... this and go watch Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, <laughs> and I'm gonna come back and watch this so I can get some freaking airships. <laughs> I was promised. Yeah. Oh man, but all of that that fix hinged on the idea that like, oh, this was like a too faithful to the, to the book kind of thing, and like ended up trying to put in stuff that it couldn't handle. Yeah. But now hearing Nicole's explanation, my new fix is just let Nicole do the adaptation. Thank you. At least the like at least the screenplay. I don't know if you're interested in directing. Like I don't know how much involvement you want with it, but like at least at least you know the concept of like okay, you don't need everything. You need like the key pieces and then you can fill in the movie version around like the important story elements right the key question the thematic the 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 key thematic question what is this movie about yes what is this story about it's not about the details of the world Mm -hmm. yes so which is part of what is so fascinating to me about the some of the ways that so my part of my fixes i think there are several stages. I mean, like the script needs to be different. I don't know. Well, so one, one of our solutions is maybe you just make the movie that Chris White's wanted to make. Uh, like let him let him make the movie that you that you hired him to make. I guess. Like I don't know. Uh, like I get it when a movie is like they're going way over budget and things are getting yeah, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what was happening. Yeah. My I, my hesitation with that is it still seems like that was all after everything was shot that they fucked with his version. No, right? th- no. There, oh, they, they, there, they were still, reached, there were okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So there's there's yeah. the the, right. the script was changed like there's the thing that he wrote originally and mm-hmm. then and that was like no this is too long and so things had to be truncated and then the movie was shot so there's there's like layers of uh, la- many layers of, of like, okay yeah okay yes all right uh, I, I rescind stages. my objection so you know that that is a a sort of hinge point I also think it's really interesting to me the way in which they handled the idea of pushback on the atheism of the story because there are a lot of ways in which this book seems or this movie seems to overemphasize the the magisterium like and it, it introduces it to the audience repeatedly. And I understand some of why it's doing it in order to get us to like the fact that it exists uh, and, and whatever. But like, I, it's not, I don't know, it's just not that important. The The General Oblation Board is supposed to be like a faction of the Magisterium that like one of many competing factions. And so like the Magisterium doesn't really matter. To me, you tell Lyra's story. And so this is also a, mm-hmm. a little bit of a version mm-hmm. of what Nick is saying. And and I, I say this as somebody who like, 
I mean, I also I think it's hard to tell this story in a way that doesn't that isn't also like atheist. Uh, I think like that's like that's just part of the story. And I yeah. this is this is there was some some pushback because they uh, at San Diego Comic Con the the cast of the upcoming adaptation made some comments that were like, no, it's just like uh, it's not really that. It's I don't know whatever. They were kind of like oh, I remember that resisting. Yeah, uh, mm. and like you know, it is what it is. Like call it what it mm-hmm. is. Uh, but. Even so, I, I actually still think that there is a way that you can make a maybe slightly less atheist, especially if you're only doing the first one, uh, <laughs> especially if you're not going into the second, like the second and third. If you just focus on Lyra's story and you stop trying to like include too so much of the ma- first of all the magisterium, there's just way too much magisterium in this in this movie. Uh, and second of all, just you don't need this much. Coulter and Asriel. Like, they are not that big of a deal. They are peripheral, like, forces. They need to be in the movie, but they do not to be need to be as present. In, we do not need to cut a- away to them when they are not interacting with Lyra. They only matter when they are in Lyra's presence. We do not need to know what they are up to when they are not with Lyra. Like, they don't matter then. Right. Well, <laughs> what, whose perspective is the story exactly. from? Like, and that right. is it, the thing. We this this movie yeah. did not, yes, this, this this movie took a book that was definitely Lyra's perspective and, and tried to, like, broaden the perspectives, which is a thing you can do in adaptations. I think that's one of the things that the Hunger Games adaptation does really, really well, is that it finds places to brought to, to now that we are no longer stuck in Katniss's head, like, what is what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, what are, what are some places where we can include the rest of the world? And, like, that is really interesting but that movie also still is Katniss's movie right they still keep it Katniss's movie and I but this movie did not stay Lyra's as they tried to broaden and show us more of the world it they it lost the thread to the point that when you were giving us the synopsis of this movie you led with Daniel Craig and like that is a failing of the movie uh, <laughs> well I don't feel like Lyra's a driving force yeah and I know mm. I don't I don't think you were wrong to do like I guess I'm not like faulting oh, no, your I synopsis didn't think, I didn't think you were either uh, but to be clear like I think the movie needed to get clearer about whose perspective it, it was trying to tell this story from yeah and when you said like you were talking earlier about the whole uh, the adult politics being brought in more than it needs to be yeah that like the way you were describing how it should have been done sounded a lot like Hunger Games to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That first book slash movie doesn't really deal with the overall capital stuff. No. It's dealing with like the Hunger Games. Yeah. The things that are affecting your main character. And then she, her eyes are opened to this world and the, the effect the capital is having on the rest of the people outside of her district. And she's like, Okay. What we can learn, we do about this? We learn more about the capital as Lyra as uh Katniss, Katniss learns yes. more about the capital in much the same way that like in in the book we learn about like the magisterium and the adult politics as Lyra learns about them. Perspective. Uh, because yeah. that's whose perspective it's from. <laughs> that's uh. you know, it's not a it's not a little thing. Yeah. Like and a, a lot of people that's one of the big problems we've always had with bad movies is they just don't know whose mm-hmm. perspective yeah, it's, like, it's just pick a main character please yeah it's just <laughs> no. shit's happening mm-hmm. and we're gonna film it mm-hmm. matt what about you how would you fix so i have one small netflix gripe <laughs> let me watch oh, this God movie damn it yeah in the correct aspect ratio please <laughs> what if i'm gonna watch this bad movie that is a pretty movie let me watch it in the actual super wide format it was filmed in, which is 235. Mm-hmm. Like, don't crop it to 16 by 9. I want to see the pretty. 
That's what I can appreciate about this movie is the visuals. And I don't think that's a Netflix problem. I think that's a New Line Cinema problem. I think it is, yes, because it's the whatever version they yeah. choose to release to streaming services. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was a time when Netflix got in trouble for cropping films. Mm-hmm. I believe I they, they have stopped that shit. I believe <laughs> enough people got mad that they stopped doing that. Yeah. Um so yeah, whoever is responsible for this film not being presented in its actual format, why? I've never I never it never would have occurred to me that people whose entire jobs is to distribute movies to care <laughs> so little about what those movies look like. Mm-hmm. Well, and like this was not like a small movie. No. That like slipped under the radar of like like we yeah, had like that, a small indie film. Right. Well, yeah. we had the, the, not indie necessarily, but we had that issue with watching Three Ninjas yeah. where Multiple versions of that movie that are very different from each other are just like kind of like released at whim online. <laughs> and it's just like it doesn't say alternate cut, director's cut, whatever. You just go to watch Three Ninjas and you kind of pray and hope you're getting the same version as the other person. Right. It was whichever <laughs> DVD was on the top of the stack when they yeah. sent the mail out that day. Yeah. Well, and it was like, OK, because like there's certain things where you look up in trivia on IMDb sometimes and you'll realize it says that like oh the Hulu cut of this is different and you're like why? (laughs) Why? And if you don't tell me that and a a a little bit of like a film preservationist type person in me goes in the future that might be the only version of this film that anyone ever knows Uh and it's different so if they go back and read about this film as it originally released it is a different plot (laughs) <laughs> not Golden Compass, right. but like right. Green Ninjas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, so it's like, why why choose to alter the film yeah. outside mm-hmm. of the perspective of like a George Lucas altering a film kind of thing? Like, this is just like, eh, crop it down because that's what people's TVs are. Uh-huh. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, okay. So that's the, the, that's not really a fix for the movie, but that would have helped me enjoy it a little bit more. Right. Um, you wouldn't have been kicked out of it so often. Yeah. yeah. It's super weird because like, one of my problems with like some of the cinematography is so much of it felt like it was designed to be cropped to four three. Mm. I was watching it in two thirty five, and I'm like, why is everything in the center? Why is there so much space on the sides where there's nothing happening? Weird. I mean, and, like, it's a rule of thirds. It doesn't matter what third, right? Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but yeah, there were just like a lot of like over the shoulders that were framed. I'm like, and like. But then I don't know for sure about that because partway through, like, once I started paying attention, I'm like, no, it seems like only about half the shots are framed that way and the rest <laughs> of them are framed like you would for 235. Makes so. me wonder if a lot of it was filmed on green screen and they were like, well, we can position them anywhere. Oh, yeah. And then they were like, well, I'm center. I, could, <laughs> I don't know. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I would be interested to hear more about it because, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's, I think going into my, like, fix sort of thing is, like, let me see more of this whole movie. Like, let me see a longer version of this. Mm. This is actually a movie that, Nick, you said you'd, you'd go back and watch it potentially. Yeah, I would. I would be interested in watching a longer cut of this movie uh-huh. if it exists because I know the studio is probably pushing that cut pretty early on to be shorter than two hours. But if there is like a two and a half hour long cut of this movie, I feel like there's a lot of moments that feel cut out. And the sign of like good editing is that you're not supposed to notice. Right. <laughs> and in this, I don't fault the editor for that as much as whoever was making him make those decisions <laughs> or her make those decisions. But like the one gripe that I had is again, very minuscule in the overall like big picture thing. But there's a moment in this movie where she is crossing an ice bridge 
and she goes to the ice bridge and uh, which again is supposed to be basically the last thing she crosses the ice bridge she's trying to get to Azriel and Roger and then mm. Roger interesting dies. so that's yeah. not what necessarily is happening and in, also in seems movie. like a setup like to pay off from the earlier scene where she's doing the same like weird yep. walking on the rooftop uh, that yep. doesn't actually it seem does to be connected actually in tie any back way? to that at all but she she's like has to cross this ice bridge and York can't come because he's too big uh-huh. um so she has to cross it by herself and then it starts cracking and breaking and he starts yelling like Lyra run run Lyra run run and we keep staying on a shot of his face for some reason <laughs> and run and run and then we cut back and she's just on the other side <laughs> we never saw her run uh-huh. yeah. we never saw her uh-huh. almost die uh-huh. she did the hobbit legolas walk up the falling yeah. ice like yeah. even a shot of her like oh, and like start running would have been fine uh-huh. but we literally see her standing there she looks back the ice bridge starts falling we cut to him and the next thing we see is her safe on the other side <laughs> i'm like that mixed Why? with like the freeing of the kids from the prison <laughs> like you you can cut out big action things in a movie or the climax of your film in movies hitchcock did it all right but that's not what this film was doing <laughs> right they weren't right. like cutting it out for a stylistic thing it felt like one, I don't even know if they filmed it. Two, if they did film it, why did they cut that out uh-huh. of anything? <laughs> like, and uh-huh. I think just the pacing all over this movie is so bad and calls attention to itself repeatedly. Yeah, and I think just like letting it breathe, leaving in more of those moments, uh, would help me enjoy this film without having to like redo everything. Uh, also, include like one or two real animals, maybe. Because, like, dogs was, and cats exist. There was one, was I there? think, just one that I saw. What was and it? And it was when they were in the kid prison, they're walking, and he's, like, taking her to the room where all the kids are writing their letters or whatever the hell. Yeah. There's that wide shot of the hallway and the guard standing next to the door, and his dog is definitely real. Oh, okay. Because the dog is clearly, like, looking at the trainer off screen and then, like, flinches and then it's like wait no if i if i move i don't get my treat and like interesting yeah not but like it's CGI not animated behavior. in the same way as anything else in the film yeah, it's that's like a, it well that's a be... bad choice due to how that's supposed to be a demon i think you're saying include actual animals like as in actual animals or you mean as the demons do you mean like this what do you oh. mean include actual animals as in should the world have actual animals i'm saying that like for me one of the like weirder things was how poorly animated some of the dogs were. Got it. Okay. In like opposition to like some of like the pan animals that he kept yeah. like yeah. transforming into all it's yeah, pretty yeah. good. The monkey was terrible. The monkey was bad. Uh, <laughs> and like the polar bears were great. But like when there was just like a dog or a cat sitting there on the table and it looked b- very poorly CGI. I was like, <laughs> you could have just had a real cat. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it would have yeah, looked yeah. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, and it would also sort of have a, like a, like a like I don't know like Movement a tangible thing yeah, yeah. Right. that people could interact with mm-hmm. and like you're not supposed to touch them oh you know? yeah but like interact with them in a way where it's like oh these are part of the world here yes. um, oh, as yeah. opposed and to just being like floating pixels around the screen when they catch her and go to throw her in the machine it's like hilarious watching the one nurse try to fake carry a weasel <laughs> yes. and it's like it's past like you didn't even need light. to like animate it yeah it's like no 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 just like just to fill a sock with some rice like do something <laughs> give this woman something to work right. with yeah. it's, it goes back to my thing of when they don't put anything in the cups uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Like, you yes. put, put a lead weight in the cup right. mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be liquid mm-hmm. but Put something in it. Anything. Because we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right. on top of that, I would just say cut off the intro. 
Uh-huh. Completely, yeah, yeah. just cut that off, uh-huh. um, and then maybe just make it a mini series on HBO. Yep, <laughs> that seems like the right. That way seems to go. like a good idea. That yeah. Seems like an idea. Give yeah. me the money. <laughs> I had a great idea. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, move on to our next segment, which is how we would each rate it, because each of us has our own rating system. Mine is what Star Wars movie is it? This is the Phantom Menace. It's too rushed. There's no chance to savor anything. There's a cool fight scene. <laughs> um, and that's about it. Uh, so, yeah, this is The Phantom Menace. Matt, what's your rating system? My rating system is what Batman movie is it? Uh, this was one of the harder ones, actually, until I figured out. I was like, okay, what Batman movie uh, is trying to build up like to a sequel that never ended up happening? <laughs> <laughs> So then I actually surprisingly had a couple options. <laughs> but because of the pacing and the poor editing of this film, I'm going to give it a Suicide Squad. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nicole? Uh, it's been a really long time since I've been on yeah. the podcast. But, uh, you my do reading... a lot. You got a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, yes. It's been a long time since I've been on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> right. uh, to be clear. Find her on every other podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but uh, my rating system is emojis. And I try not to use the same ones, but it's because it's been so long. So I'm, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I haven't used this one before. Uh, and it's this, um, he's like, it's like orange and red. And then he's got like a black bar of swearing. It's a really angry, <laughs> angry cursing yeah. emoji. Um, and that's what I give this one. <laughs> that's fair. Tuna, what's your rating system? Mine is what food it reminds me of. Um, I feel like I've talked to people about this before, but I don't know actually how universal an experience this is. But it feels like the crappy knockoff Oreo lookalikes that your grandma would give you as a kid, <laughs> where you would get so excited, you're like, oh, everything that I know about this externally feels like it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you bite into it, and there's like no sugar, it's like cardboard, <laughs> it's terrible, and you're just like resentful of cookies as a whole afterward. <laughs> it tastes like disappointment and betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well. Uh, time to move on to our final segment, which is Real Good, where we recommend something real good for you to watch instead of this. I'm going to go last because my two are really obvious. And so if somebody <laughs> steals it, that's on me. Sure. Uh, Tuna, we'll start with you. What's your Real Good? Um, I think originally I thought about Jurassic Park because that's my favorite adaptation. But It's a very good adaptation. It's, yeah. It's... Also, the score at the very end of this film <laughs> sounds a lot like Jurassic Park, yeah, and it was weird. Yeah. When they're flying away in the airship, there's very much like a... <laughs> I was like, what's, yeah. what's happening? The problem is I think I've used that one before because it is my favorite movie, and I just <laughs> want people to watch it. I the same movies every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's doing this real good once again is Jurassic Park. <laughs> right, yeah. As always. Uh, um, no, well, we didn't really touch on it as much, uh, like the religious aspect, mm-hmm. which was part of what turned me off on it originally. This time it was just the storytelling itself. Yeah. And, but bef- that's because I have the language for that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the religious aspect is so, and, and I mean, I'm atheist and I grew up Catholic and I'm an atheist <laughs> because of like the concepts that should be presented in this film and it's just like but everything is handled so ham-fistedly in that aspect where it's just like oh 
if any of these magisterium people had mustaches, they would just be constantly mm-hmm. twirling them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's that's not an effective good critique. It's just not. Because well, the first thing you see one of them do is try to poison somebody. And you're right. Like, All right. So they're, ba- ba- they're bad. Cool. Yeah. Which Got is it. also not in the book. It wasn't the magisterium mm. trying to do that. It's, but. Yeah. Well, and so like, like my personal problems with the Catholic Church are rooted in a lot of the aspects where no they don't think they're doing evil things and then end up they think right. they're the good guys right. and it's yes. like no 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 not like Ugh. so my real good is spotlight mm. from 2015 nice. directed by Tom McCarthy that is an amazing film that's that's the one that I showed to my family to explain like no 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 this is why I refuse to go to church with you anymore mm-hmm. and like and they were like okay we don't agree necessarily, but we get it now. So that, okay. that film is my real good. Excellent. Nicole, what's your real good? Um, I never recommend movies. So unsurprisingly, <laughs> my real good is going to be to read the book. But also nice. uh, the audiobook is full cast. And it's very oh. good. It's a very good full cast audiobook oh. that I – there's like lovely music. It's I, I highly recommend it. It's it's just like a fun little like radio drama. Cool. Uh, That's, and I'm it's gonna... great. I'm going to take this real good and actually do it. Like, Amazing. This is my, yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened on the podcast before, but like, you got one person to actually follow. Yeah, through. actually. I if have... you enjoy listening to this audio media, might I also recommend. Click over to a different app on your phone right now uh-huh. and listen yeah. to the other one. This you other... guys finish without me. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Matt, what's your real good? Well, if you like Bears and Nicole Kidman, have I got a movie for you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we talked about this. <laughs> Go watch Paddington, because <laughs> it's very good. Another movie Matt's recommended. Yo, I recommended it's it like so five times. times. Tobin has recommended it. If you haven't watched Paddington by now, after listening to this podcast. You clearly don't take these real good what seriously. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's great. Mine, yeah. nobody picked mine, which is really good. Nice. It, it, so one of my big problems here was something we talked about late, which is... The idea of going into too much detail about the magisterium and and you know the 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 political bullshit that is like unrelated to our supposed main character in a lot of ways. Not unrelated, but like not getting into the weeds. So a film that I think does this exceptionally well sets up a whole new world of an evil organization that's running everything and um, a different organization that is rebelling against them is the first Star Wars movie. Um, mm, heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully. Uh, so A New Hope, not the fucking Phantom Menace, but A New Hope uh, does an extremely good job of setting up, introducing you to a brand new world with brand new rules, with brand new like religions and, and everything. Uh, and But still it's about characters and it's about moments and it's about um, you getting wrapped up in the adventure. And, but all of those things exist in a perfectly real way. And it's wonderful to like read you. The the movie does it so well that people have made entire blog posts and entire articles about like, is the empire really bad? (laughs) Because there's so little there. We just basically, the movie states they're bad. Mm -hmm. Rebels are good. 
movie. Like, <laughs> that's all you <laughs> yeah, need. Right. And I feel like this this movie could have benefited from a little mm-hmm. bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like, just, and, you know, if you want to get yes. into the weeds of it later on, great. Get into yeah. the weeds later on. And you, you think about those things and how they work. But you don't need it to start off with. So, yeah, check out the first Star Wars, A New Hope, if you haven't. Um, Nicole. <laughs> wow <laughs> I believe we have told her it was not necessary no that's true you've watched The Force Awakens Rude. so <laughs> um, okay well that is going to wrap up this very long episode of Real Bad uh, thank you guys all for joining me thank you Nicole for recommending this because I think it offered some interesting conversations mm-hmm. about filmmaking thanks to all of you for validating me that it really is just <laughs> bad yeah. oh, not just a bad adaptation <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a bad movie Thank you for validating my feelings about it because I thought maybe I was just a jerk. <laughs> and now I'm like, no, an actual smart person also thinks this. Like, Indeed. Um, okay, well, uh, Tuna, where can people find you? I'm at Tuna Loons on Twitter and Instagram and probably other stuff. Uh, my band's website is sovietfourthgrader.com. Um, my other band doesn't have a website yet, but yeah. And then Someday. Yeah. And then, oh, I guess I've got music up on soundcloud.com slash Captain Violence. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or, cool. Yeah. And so. you make videos for SciShow. Yeah, that too. You and mentioned you, that at the beginning, I did, so I didn't yeah. want to like... I've got to remind people. All it's right. okay. All also, right. it feels weird sometimes, because I do that sometimes too, where I recommend channels I work on, and I'm like, well, you're not... Like, I'm not on it. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> definitely. Well, and there's also so the I'm like... i to find you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a good point, yeah. Like, go well, watch SciShow for Tuna. <laughs> and also, I feel like the audience for SciShow and the audience for Soviet Fourth Grader, <laughs> like, there's probably like a little bit of overlap, but they're, <laughs> they're definitely they're, not they're designed in this room for the... Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Nicole, how about you? Where can people find you? I am at Sweeney Says on all the social media. You can also find most of the other stuff that I'm doing online at StarkSquad.com uh, or in your ears, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to Snark Squad Pod or Cooler Than Homework, our yeah. Disney Channel original movie podcast. Go listen to that one. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> what are we, two episodes? Two, By yep. the time this comes out, three? Three. three yeah. The third episode yeah. comes out the same day as this one. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's where I am too. <laughs> where can people yeah. find you? Uh, my other two podcasts that I am responsible for doing things on uh, are on a hiatus because all my creative energy is going into Journey to the Microcosmos, which you should go watch on YouTube. Please. <laughs> it's doing well. It, it sounded like yeah. it wasn't doing well. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's doing very well. Yeah. It's doing great. Yeah. But just, you, you know, it, it, go We'd watch like it. it to continue to do well. Yes, right, that'd be right. great. Yeah. Our latest episode's about tardigrades, and everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. So They're cute. Yeah. Uh, great. A real big thanks to Black Duck Studios, I Love It Podcast, Candace, and Anna Moss for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much. Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out podcasts like Hanks for the Memories, where Joey and Mike and a group of selected guests, like me, Talk about all of Tom Hanks' movies week by week. I was just on an episode about one of my very favorite comedies, The Burbs, so go check it out. Next week, it's the Patreon poll. Who knows what we're going to watch? I mean, I have a feeling. I know, but I don't want to say because I don't want to watch that. But until then, this has been Real Bad.